Greetings, hello, welcome back to another episode of Nerd Like Me, the podcast for nerds like you by nerds like us. Across from me is Nerd A or One. Kapla. What's your name there, buddy? I am Vinny Theramus, the original geek. <laughs> Straight out of Compton Quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> Compton Quadrant. Yes. I love that. I actually received a uh, little thing in the mail from StarTrek.com when I was a kid. Really? That said, uh, Vincent Doremus of Compton Quadrant. Oh. You are here by blah, 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 blah. That's the episode of Voyager yeah, I wanted to see. So the one with Sarah Silverman. Yeah. She's still going to Compton, not the Griffith Observatory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, who's following us? Who knows? Uh, hey, I'm Michael Ostrom. I'm the other nerd across the table. I'm the nerd from Delaware. Mm. Doesn't get much nerdier than that. Mm. Today's a very special episode for us because as much as we love science fiction, you know what else we love? Science fact. Ah, uh, yes. And I, personally speaking for myself, am a total geek nerd for space flight history. NASA, anything NASA related, the history of our trips to the moon, I and even the shuttle missions, and what's going mm. on now. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Plus, we mm. have personal uh, relationships to the history of space travel. Both of our fathers worked in aerospace. So what so. did your dad do, Vinny? Well, my father was a stock clerk at uh, Rockwell International. Oh. And uh, yeah, he drove a forklift. He would uh, bring press packets home of all the shuttle launches. Oh. Uh, so just to clarify for a second, Rockwell, what, what was Rockwell doing while your dad was there in the space, uh, space race? Uh, they space. were literally building the shuttle. They're building the bird. They're yeah. building the bird. They were responsible before they were bought out by Boeing. Uh, well, Boeing builds everything. Now. Yeah. yeah. Now Boeing's all about that. Yeah. So, yeah. But well, he, your not, dad, though, was a rocket scientist. I could, he was not a rocket. He was a chemical engineer. Um, he, he would himself say, well, not a rocket scientist. But do you build rockets, Dad? Yeah, I built rockets. Yeah, exactly. So my dad, since he brought it up, he worked for a company that at the time was called Thiokol. And they built solid rocket boosters for NASA and for private sector companies in the 70s and stuff. But he worked on the Lunar Surveyor Project. Those were the little guys that landed on the moon before the Apollo right, missions. Right, right. He tells a pretty funny story. They had a, a solid rocket engine has, instead of a tank, it has what's called a case because you bake the solid propellant, I think. He's the engineer, not me. I'm the actor. You bake this stuff inside this thing, and that's where the solid thing is. They all signed their names, all these young engineers. So my dad's name is on the moon. His signature is somewhere on the moon right now. Oh, you mean in the space junk that's left up there? Well, it's kind sitting of? there on the moon. Yeah, After cool. that, he worked on the Apollo missions on the Saturn V rocket. And the other thing he did that was really cool was called the, uh, the Apollo um, uh, uh, Launch Abort Escape System. If you look on a Saturn V, there's a tower on top of the, uh, of the space capsule. And that tower gets jettisoned when they're free and clear. But if something goes wrong when they're launching, this tower has three solid rockets in it. And there's a literally like a cable that goes the length of the Saturn V rocket. And if something goes wrong and that cable gets severed, it triggers the, it triggers the escape system. And it rips the three-man capsule away from the exploding rocket in this spinning top kind of configuration. The cool thing is it never had to be used. All the launches were successful. But there is on YouTube, there's a video of a test and they built this little mini Saturn V booster, and they put it on an angle in Florida, and they shot it off into the ocean, and they filmed it. You watch this test, you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But the rocket, the test rocket, was, mal was faulty, and it slowly starts to spin, and the slow spin turns into the rocket tearing itself apart, which is pretty awesome oh, to see. Wow, and there's man. nobody in it. And then the cool thing is the abort system fires, and it worked. So the one time it needed to be, it was a test, but it still, it did what it was supposed to do. And luckily it never had to be used in, 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 in reality. Wow. You see... That is cool That's because cool. my fascination uh, started with, uh, I think, the necessity to escape from my environs when I was in Compton. Yeah. I wasn't even into it. My father was working at Rockwell long before I was aware of space. But 
after seeing Star Wars, yeah, I would go home in the backyard, yeah, and I would look up at the night sky, yeah, and you know, with the one star you could see, and you know, along with the ghetto birds, because <laughs> of all the that. Uh, smog, yeah, Los yeah, Angeles smog, and the ghetto birds, and blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. But just looking up at the moon mm-hmm. just gave me a place to go, yeah, away from all the craziness, away from all the tormentors, mm-hmm. away from uh, you know, all the gangsters, all the dope dealers, mean streets of Compton. That's when I actually discovered space yeah. was my final frontier. Oh. Now, I don't know if I want to be in a tin can. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. We I can mean, get into how horrifying these, these, yeah. these Which, things. Yeah. As you know, I was somewhat in a tin can when I did that aerial videography for uh, one of our friends. Oh, la-dee-da. You know, yeah. I was on a were T-6 fly, space trainer. You were supposed to fly with Chuck Yeager, but he bailed out. <clears throat> yeah, but I flew with Lieutenant blah, blah, blah. He's great. And, yeah, and over the Pacific Ocean uh, doing... Uh, barrel roll, right? Yeah, doing a barrel roll with the canopy <laughs> open. And realizing this is just a Volkswagen with a seat belt. Is that, now, that's like minor compared to some of the astronauts. No, I, so you pretty not, much realize not, I, I'd I, never I, be an astronaut. Yeah. No, I would never do I that. wouldn't either. Yeah. That's why I'd rather be on a starship. Yeah. But while we're talking about actual space, yeah. why don't we get back to that? I've had a lot of coffee, you, and I've got a bunch of uh, space history information in my head. And since mm. we're talking about the yeah, Saturn well, V, you, you, here's you, one of the things I love about mixing between science fiction... And science fact. Without science fiction, without Jules Verne writing From the Earth to the Moon, uh, I don't know if the imagination would have been there to create the rockets that got us to the moon. Well, it's the same with all science fiction. Right. Well, listen, look, uh, Werner von Braun, right? Werner von Braun was mm-hmm. the German fellow that helped, that did design the Saturn V and came up with the, uh, the plan of the uh, lunar lander and everything like that. He was a German. When he was a young kid, about 15 years old, he saw a Fritz Lang film called Woman in the Moon. Frau im Mond. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend checking it out. So this is a pure work of fantasy. This is Fritz Lang, art director, is coming up with what would a moon rocket be like. And the crazy thing is, the stuff in that movie influenced Werner von Braun. So there's a countdown. There's really no need for a countdown. It, he, he said, we should do a countdown, because I saw it in a movie when I was a kid. The two-stage rocket, like one, a booster gets you out of the atmosphere, Translunar injection is in there. The, the actors have G-forces. And this is all speculation. No one had done any of this yeah, stuff yeah, yet. Yeah. So all of this stuff informed Werner von Braun. And then he, as an adult, okay, let's not gloss over the fact that he made V-2 rockets for Hitler, possibly using slave well, labor at Panamunda. There yeah, there's a whole... But, yeah. yeah, there's a thing. We'll just skip over on. that. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. So I love when science fiction can inform science fact. And now with all the stuff that's going on, I mean... Well, the th- science fiction is always informing science fact. Science fiction has prognosticated just about everything that's going on right now. Can you spell that? Uh, I'm kidding. Oh, well, it was an SAT word, and I can yeah. spell it, actually. I was spelling B champ in fifth grade, but let's not go there. Well, like, another episode we'll talk about later. It feels like there was like this great lull in people's enthusiasm for space. Like we, you know, Kennedy said, let's go to the moon. Within, within 10 years, not even over 10 years, we went from Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, boom, landed on the moon. By the time we landed on the moon, Nixon and, you know, NASA was already like, we're going to have to cancel some of these missions. This costs too much. Plus, we beat the Russians. But going back to yeah, Warner von Braun and the V2, I think we did it within nine years because we were trying to best the Soviets. Well, and if it right. wasn't for all this war, we wouldn't have these rockets. That's so that's the sad birth of the space race. Right. comes from warmongering, defense. Which will lead into uh, kind of a later discussion about uh, the private privatization. Yeah. Um, be, uh, you know, and what drives that is profit. Yeah. But I guess the, and my argument was going to be that the government were, you know, not necessarily doing it for the good of humankind, but 
I guess the profit was we beat the Russians. People say, should we be spending all this money on space exploration? And then of all the people I'm going to agree with, I think Dan Quayle gave a speech <laughs> once where he said, it's the duty of a society to try their best. You know, and I'd rather... Wait, Dan Quayle said that? Yeah, someone wrote it for me. Oh, okay. Um, and then we got into like after the Apollo missions and then they did Skylab and then they did, you know, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of tinkered along <laughs> for a little while. And then the shuttle, Nixon announced the shuttle and then they, they named it after the Enterprise. They had the Star Trek cast Which out there. I, for the of course. Flight um, of course. And then everything kind of got used, we got used to the shuttle, you know, we got, you know, space is boring until they would blow up and then we'd be all, it was very, it was a tragedy. It was horrible. Then we had to be reminded that these things were happening. So as unsexy as it is, I think during the eighties and the nineties, it's that thing about like your dad drove a fork with my dad mixed up solid propellant, but all of them worked to achieve these things. It's sure, like the old sure. thing of like when they built these medieval cathedrals, these multi-generational construction projects, the men and women that started building them would never see them finished. I think the shuttle years when they built the International Space Station was the, it, it's things are going to slow down. We're not going to be as flashy. The moon was pretty close, you know. Yeah, yeah, and there's really nothing on it. I mean, from from my part. I believe that the sciences, the study of the sciences, is yeah. what should keep us going to space. You know, when I recently went to JPL, which I'm going to name drop. Oh, la di uh, Of course, you missed that trip because I you did. were doing... I'd work. You were doing a play or something. Nice, some nice face. Go on. Thing. I saw two satellites being built, and they're both based on Earth science uh, investigation. And mm -hmm. one of them is aptly named the uh, OCO2 which is the, um, it's the study of carbon dioxide in the Earth's atmosphere and how it is affecting climate change. Mm -hmm. And do you know that the OCO2 had a predecessor, the OCO1? Now, that one never made it to space due to a launch failure. That happens all the time. So, well, I'm, I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist here. What? You know, and say, why did that one fail? Why did that one fail? <laughs> what's your what, what's what, the, what, just what, cut to the chase? What, what's what, the conspiracy? What don't they that? want us to know? Oh, you think that? Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. All right. Okay. No, I, look, I, as much I, as I love science fiction conspiracy, mm. when we're talking about this stuff, I'm just interested in, in fact. Okay. And right. the fact is, space is a to, toxic environment. Let's that stick whole, to the facts. That whole Mars thing. When the Mars One thing happened, and people are like, "Hey, sign up and go to Mars One." People were sending me like, "Hey, you gonna <laughs> sign up for a one-way trip to Mars?" I'm like, "No, you'll die there." <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, let's be real. Like that Orion thing. I am the four, the, you know, the, or the MPCV, if I may. What? The multi-purpose crew vehicle. Right, 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 right. I'm into it, but I think I'd rather go in the comfort of a starship. I know I'm getting Dude, out of Dude, they don't track. exist. I know, but I'm just saying. Look, the Orion thing, they just had a great test of the Orion. It went up into a very weirdly oblong orbit, and it tested its heat shield. Uh, and it had a little malfunction on landing. One of the, uh, one of the inflatables didn't deploy, but that's pretty minor. Um, the frogmen that got there could ride it. It was okay. But that's pretty exciting. That's a six-person capsule back to like an Apollo-style shape and size, but like a shuttle-type crew. And that bad boy is going to go off on something called the SLS, the Space Launch System, which is going to be the biggest rocket ever built by mankind. And that thing's being built. Now, you were talking about privatization and like you're kind of against the private sector uh, doing space stuff. But I got news for you, baby. It was always the private sector. Like my dad always said, mm. these guys are going to the moon on the rocket built by the lowest bidder. It yeah, was true, always Rockwell, Thiokol, mm. Martin yeah. Marietta. Mm. But, I mean, the government was, you know, it was... Go the government supplied the mission. Yeah. Here's was... where I feel like 
it's still going to take something special. They talk about, oh, let's go mine the moon. Even Newt Gingrich was campaigning on it. We're going to mine the moon for helium-3. We'll read up on helium-3. It's really impractical. The Chinese are talking about it. They're going to mine helium-3. But you need like 250 tons of this stuff processed and brought back to Earth to run like um, the nation's energy for a year. It ain't going to happen. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, what is that for balloons at fairs? No, it's not. Come on. It's, it's a different type of helium. It's not the stuff that makes, makes you talk. Makes talk funny. Oh, yeah, right. This is, this, is a, this is a non-radioactive free energy. Well, not free, but an energy source. It's not free. It's very exciting. The, probably what's going to happen is they will build, they, the people that come after, we're dead. Um, mm. they'll, you can make a moon base and launch missions from the moon and make the fuel for the mission on the moon. But getting it back to Earth, eh, what, you want one of those helium-3 capsules to land on New York City? <laughs> Amazing. You kingdom know, I have copious notes to talk about space stuff here, and well, I barely scratched the surface, and we're kind of running out of time. Yeah, well, I, I want to give you the floor, because you, you have... Your step notes, aside, get off. Your notes are more copious than mine. Well, I just, I just wanted to say it's a great time to be... Like I was saying before, there was like this enthusiasm for the space race and the Apollo missions, and then there was this kind of lull, and this, we took the shuttles for granted. I feel like now with everyone having like, you you have the NASA app, I have the NASA app, mm. I mean, it's so easy to just be involved and engage with JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, mm. or with NASA more than ever. Like I was just looking at a, a fresh out the, out the cooker, whatever you call it, uh, images of Ceres. The Dawn mission is now taking pictures of this mini planet Ceres, which I think one of the pictures had like something shiny on it. So that's where you get your sci-fi tickle. You're like, whoa, what's that? And then you find it. It's a methane lake. But that's cool. Uh, and and the, new, the new planet that was an exoplanet that's been discovered? Oh, yeah. The exo, I have an app for exoplanets where they're tracking them like crazy. Yeah. Glyze. We're all going to go to Glyze someday. They're, they're all out there. They're yeah. all, and, you know, it, and now that we're talking about this kind of stuff, V'ger, if mm -hmm. I may say. You know, the I, Voyager uh, space probe yes. launched long ago is now the thing that's the farthest away from us, man-made thing. The human-made thing, yeah. and it has reached uh, 11.3 billion miles. It's billion with a B, people. A billion, billion. I love that they said, and here's the first recording of trans-whatever space. Like, oh, I got to <laughs> listen to that. What's that sound like? And you know what it sounds like? It sounds like this. Yeah. Yeah, radio. It's it's it's, uh, it's like your TV at four in the morning. Yeah, like Neil yeah. deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye are like, yeah, listen to this kid. I'm like, I'm with you. I support everything. <laughs> I'm but. so behind it, but I don't understand the significance That's between that sad. and what happens when I go to bed. So like, there's a lot of exciting things going on right now. The Orion, there's the Dawn mission. There's all the different missions. Of course, Curiosity. You and I were both at your oh, house watching NASA TV yeah, live. That was with, with holding our breath with Mohawk Boy at JPL. And that's amazing. And being at JPL, seeing the control room yeah. where they actually... Mission control. Where the mission control... And it's still set up. Yeah. Because when something does happen, they all go back into that room. What which I is amazing. It's, and it, they keep the stations named and set up of yeah. each mish, current mission that's going on. Yeah. And they yeah. have the, the, the giant space clock right gotta, in the middle of it. It's like... Oh, I got to break in there. So, I got to get in there after hours and yeah, just flip some switches and yeah. see what I can get. Yeah. I love uh, JPL. I love the history of uh, Jack Parsons, that guy, that yeah. guy, that self-taught solid rocket engineer <laughs> so who, um, you know, created basically the Jet Propulsion Lab. They call it JPL, Jack Parsons Lab. And uh, as a side note, oh, he also ran a sex cult out of his mansion in Pasadena with L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, just a little, you know, just a little uh, Alistair Crowley. And henceforth, we... Uh, we don't, don't go there. Yeah, no, I'm not... We don't have uh, the legal power of HBO. I know, I know nothing. We can't defend I, it. I know nothing. I disavow all knowledge. It's a great time to get into this space stuff, because it's like the space race is 50 years old, basically. Last summer I was watching. But the, everything's on YouTube. Like, I, here's some things I recommend. Check out Ed White. 
uh, he was the first American to spacewalk. He, uh, he spacewalked out of a Gemini capsule. And the cool thing about it, if you watch the full video on YouTube, is he had to be coaxed back in. You know, he's a highly trained astronaut. He's, it's all business. Every minute is planned. And you can hear, like, hey, Ed, Ed, uh, Houston's saying get in. Ed, Ed. And he's like, oh, I'll be in in a minute. But then with the space, with the, the International Space Station, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on there. I, I got to meet Chris Hadfield once, the astronaut, the Canadian astronaut, who recorded David Bowie's space oddity from the, Yeah, I, that, yeah. Was, that was kind of cool. I mean, it was a little on the nose, but... It was very a little cool. on the nose. It's a dude a with a guitar in space. Yeah, no, it's cool though. I he mean, he sent he, his you know. tracks down to Canada, and someone mixed it, sent it back. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Like Major Tom. I mean, yeah. well, he had to rewrite the lyrics though, because because yeah. Major Tom was a pretty horrible song. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, the guy died. It wasn't very successful that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that particular mission that Major Tom was on. But there are all kinds of blogs, and there's some. Gr- here's here's my movie list. If you want to get into the actual history of spaceflight, I would all say right. watch the right stuff. I love that. Start watching From the Earth to the Moon, the HBO miniseries. Oh, that was very good. That's when you get to the Apollo 13, obviously stop and then go watch Apollo 13 mm-hmm. and then resume. And then I discovered this great documentary from 1989 called For All Mankind, where there's no narration. It takes NASA footage and it combines the entire story of the Apollo missions into one kind of arcing kind of documentary story. It's oh, really beautiful. Cool. And they got access to negatives that hadn't never been used before. So visually, it's just stunning. I still have the thing on my TiVo that we have to watch. Great. Tell everybody uh, about it. No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but, uh, and one movie you should not see, as far as this discussion is concerned, is Capricorn 1, by the way. Oh, why not? You don't believe that happened? Yeah, I, I am not. Uh, yeah, I I'm just I, saying, I we got enough disbelievers. I will out there. myself as a, I am not one who entertains the we didn't go to the moon nonsense. Yeah. So People say, we can't, can't survive the Van Allen belt. Well, they didn't park there. They passed through it. Yeah, you can pass through things. You don't need to, that doesn't mean you, you die. I wow. pass through security at the airports and concerts, and I'm okay. Now we're going to get responses. You're going to get all the kooks are going to come yeah. out of the woodwork. Well, you know, don't make what, Buzz Aldrin punch you in the face, we're, man. We're don't in, do it. We're inviting stuff. We're inviting kooks. Um, I mean, let's, you know, come on. This is a kook show. And so kind of to wrap it all up. I think it is an exciting time, even though if you don't think it's an exciting time, because we are laying that, building the cathedral groundwork. Currently, right now, two astronauts are going to spend one year on the International Space Station. Scott Kelly, whose twin brother is Mark Kelly, married to Gabriel Giffords, and Mikhail Kornienko. He's a Russian. That's pretty good. They're going to be up there for a full year, getting their bones checked. I like to call the mission uh, Old Jello Bones, because it's a really hostile environment up there. There's something called fluid shift. Like, which messes <laughs> up their eyeballs. That don't sound right. We're not supposed to stay weightless for a long time. But we have yeah. to figure out what's going to happen if we're going to go to Mars, if we're going to go beyond, right? I... So all this stuff, if you stay tuned, if you pay attention to this stuff, it's a very, very exciting time. You know, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Until there's warp travel going to Mars... <laughs> Is, you you want to come back and be a hero, right? And you you back, don't want to die out back there. You don't want to be Matthew McConaughey out the interstellar. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, all right. No. Uh, I flew into space. I missed my daughter, and now I'm in her bookcase. I stay the same <laughs> age. <laughs> oh, and don't even get me under. started on gravity. Here's where I'm going to get hate mail. Everyone loved gravity. It's a ripping state space oh, yarn. Yeah, but you if, and you, the, if you, if you, he's sci- about to go off. Science folks. fact. Come he's, on. He's going off. The he's very going first off. thing you got two people. Do not talk to him about two gravity. Two people on an EVA, extravehicular activity. You don't do mm-hmm. that. Doing two different things, and then George Clooney's joyriding, mm-hmm. zipping around like, hey, how's it going over here? How's it going over here? <laughs> Let alone the debris cloud of satellite crap. It wouldn't hit them again because of the sat- that's not how orbits work. Right. And then, oh, let's just swim to the abandoned Chinese space station. And then I'm going <laughs> to land yeah. a Soyuz capsule with no training. No problem. 
<laughs> well, I never saw the movie, but now I guess I have. Now you have to. Yeah. So you can hate on it. Well, now I like feel me. like people love the movie. It's a beautiful movie. It's a real accomplishment. It's just I know it's Hollywood. You have to tell a story, but I was expecting like this is going to be real. But if it was real, watch NASA TV. Yeah. Which I highly recommend. Uh, Sandra Bullock in space. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's, let's be realistic about that. That's not going to happen. Well, we probably ought to wrap it up. I don't know if we accomplished anything other than explaining that we really love space. We really love the real stuff, let alone the fantasy stuff. Mm -hmm. There's um, plenty of materials out there. Get the NASA apps. Check out the YouTube oh. channels. Go to JPL. The tours go, are free. Try you to go meet an up. astronaut if you can. Like I gotta go. I gotta go stalk Buzz Aldrin. I want to shake his hand. I mean, the, the guys that walked on the moon. You know, they're like the World War II vets. They're they're going. That's crazy. They did an amazing thing. They've experienced like Edgar Mitchell came back like a Buddhist. Like like he was really spiritually changed by his trip to the moon. You know, you don't hear I about that. I can only stuff. imagine that you would be. Yeah. When, so you know. It's a great time. I could we could do another one of these. We could get specific about like yeah. how things went and how they worked and everything like that. But that's all the time yeah, we have. I've run out of caffeine. Mm, and I've uh, I've just run out. So thank you for listening to Nerd Like Me. I hope you, you like it. Remember, send your cards and letters to Santa Claus. Yeah. Thanks to our producer, Ali Sklafani, our audio engineer, Mo Lujan. And as we always say, Houston. That's one small step for let's light this candle, something like that. <laughs> or as Admiral Akbar always says, oh, okay. when life gives you lemons, it's a trap. Oh, all right. I don't remember going that no. way. Well, it, he said it on another take. Oh. You see an outtake. I'll of, take. Right yeah, on. outtakes of Jedi. All right. Next time we'll talk about science yeah, fiction, yeah. probably. Yeah. Who knows? We'll, we'll probably about. go back to that stuff. I mean, but, you know, but you got to pay homage to, you know, the real school. God, I feel like I just scratched the surface. Yeah, you did. I mean, you got, what, that's like 200 pages of stuff over there. I know.